What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to the official first solo episode of the Ski System podcast. I'm your host, Abe Maynard. I'm also the creator of the Ski System. I'm a former mogul skier of about 12 years, where I competed on the national level. I was nine spots away from making the U.S. ski team my senior year. Unfortunately, it didn't go that way. But here I am today trying to combine all this knowledge of being an athlete, being a career personal trainer, and deliver it via audio channels, Instagram, social media channels, and the website, getskisystem.com. I want to go over a few housekeeping issues, uh, just a couple notes on websites, some things that we're going to be rolling out here in a little bit, um, also some Black Friday stuff that's going to be coming up. Then I want to talk a little bit about athlete insights, just some of my insights from being an athlete at a highly competitive level, how training fit into all that. And just some of the things to keep in mind when you're going into the beginning of the season. It's a really exciting time. We all want to get back on snow. We all want to ski our best. And we're always holding on to those memories from last season, those super fun days, long runs, having a good time with your friends. So I just want to touch on that, how to approach the season. And I want to give you my five tips on surviving early season and opening week. So we'll get going with the housekeeping stuff here. I am extremely excited to announce that by the time that you're hearing this, the blog will be live on the website. I've always wanted to have a blog component to this website since I started it. But as you've been paying attention on the social channels, this is going to be a place where I can produce long form content regarding optimization of the human body, performance, strength and conditioning, nutrition, how sleep plays into all of this, and overall just general tidbits on performance and sport. I want you to be able to go to the training blog on the website and reference things. So you can look up training protocols, or you can look up nutritional insights, or you can look up recovery protocols to help you optimize your skiing. Everything on the site will be tailored towards skiing. So the training blog will be behind the member wall. It is gonna be reserved for members of the site. I'll be producing an article every week that will pertain to one of those themes. And all the articles are going to be categorized. So if you want to look up optimization, you'll be able to click that. And as the library grows, you'll be able to sift through different articles that pertain to that subject. Um, in addition to that, and this was 100% a member-driven adjustment. I got a lot of feedback in the beginning that members wanted to be able to enter their weights and because we have members in Europe and members in the United States, we wanted this to be in kilograms and pounds. Um, this is, <laughs> it was kind of funny to me because I've been training people for so long and this is such an instrumental part of programming is keeping track of weight. So somehow <laughs> in the design of the website, I overlooked it. Uh, my apologies, but I'm so grateful that everyone reached out and gave positive feed feedback that that's something that they valued and something that they wanted. And part of my mission statement with the ski system is I want this to be for all of you members. It's built for you. I want to adjust it for you. I'm dedicated to improving it for you. And so we rolled out the weight tracking a couple of weeks ago. And so far, the feedback's been really great. Um, you're able to track your weights as you go through the program. You can reference previous weights that you use. That way you know how to make improvements or how to adjust things going forward. And like I said, it's a very instrumental part of being on a training program. It's being able to track progress. Um, 
Coming up, Black Friday, the biggest Amazon sales day in the world. But on the ski system, I'm going to launch something a little special for you guys. So know in advance, it's going to be a 24-hour flash sale. It will not be available after that 24-hour period, so it will only run on Black Friday. In order to get the details of how this sale is going to run, you do have to be signed up for email communication via the website. So if you go to getskisystem.com, you can submit your email on the homepage uh, for the seven-day trial. If you're on a seven-day trial, your email's already been submitted. And if you had submitted your email in the past on the splash page before the website was live, you're also in this list. So those of you that are listening that aren't members or haven't submitted your email address, but do want to take advantage of the Black Friday sale, please go to getskisystem.com, throw your email in there. That'll catalog it for me. And I will blast everyone on Thursday night at midnight. So everyone can take advantage of that sale on Friday. Uh, last little note here, housekeeping item on the website. If you're a member and you're on a program, and for whatever reason you choose that you want to switch programs, you want to add a program, or you actually want to just go through the library yourself and take a look, you can do this at any time. Starting a new program won't terminate your old one. So there are several skiers that I know of on the website that are running, for example, mobility level one, so that they can take care of their mobility and flexibility needs. And then they're running a strength program alongside it. So on days, if they feel beat up, they can do the mobility program. If you feel like you want to do both together, you can do that. Uh, the programming selection tool, what we call the programming wizard is evergreen and it's always available. So if you go to programs on the website and you click help me select or help me choose, it'll walk you through a couple of questions and spit out a program based on what equipment you have available, how much you expect to ski that winter. And that'll help you arrive at the program that's best for you. So program selection, you can always go back to it. Awesome. Now let's talk a little bit about my history as an athlete, what skiing meant to me as a kid, what led me to want to, you know, create this product for people. And I want to tailor this, not just about me and my skiing career, but really about training. I want to talk about training and why training on a program is so much different than just working out. Why training on a program is so much different than just going mountain bike riding and why it's so different than just going on a hike. And I think the easiest way to conceptualize this for people listening is first to not demonize those activities. Going on a mountain bike ride, going on a hike, going on a run are phenomenal activities. And I urge everyone to maximize their utility. Go as much as you can, as frequently as you want. It gets you outside. It exposes you to nature. It puts you in the elements. I mean, there is no reason to stop that. But what mountain biking and hiking and road running don't necessarily complement on the ski hill is the programming necessary to build a body capable of reducing the risk of injury and having a really good time on snow. And this is largely due to the nature of the sports. So when you run, you run forward. When you bike, you bike forward. And when you hike, you hike up. You don't really bike sideways. And if you're running sideways, it's because you're very consciously doing it in like a karaoke or a sidestep. And usually those are used really as primers or warm ups for exercises and activities like soccer. 
So you're just trying to move in different directions because you're going to in the sport. With these sports, they're wonderful at conditioning your quads. They're great at doing this. It's a, it's a great contraction of the quad muscle. Uh, it's repeated for time over and over. So it builds decent endurance in the muscle group. But what it doesn't do is move you in different directions. And the reality is that skiing is not just a forward sport, despite going down the hill. Skiing is lateral. It is lateral. It involves significantly more speed if you can control it. And if you can't control it, it still involves significantly more speed. And it involves a variation in pitch, which could be argued that mountain biking does too. But the difference is that your seat position is fixed in a mountain bike. Yes, you can come out of the saddle and you can change your body position over the pedals. But for the most part, the range of motion is not adjusting that much at the quad and at the ankle and at the hip when you're riding your mountain bike. So it is so important to take these strengths that you get from hiking and mountain biking and running and complement them with multi-planar, meaning moving in different planes of motion, multi-planar strength training that actually builds durability, endurance, strength, and capability in the joints that you're going to use on snow. Because when you're going down the hill and all of a sudden someone cuts in front of you and you have to stop, you can't pull the brake lever or you can't decelerate over a hundred foot period. You have to make a really quick adjustment. I guess this would be akin to a car pulling out in front of you while you're on a run. You have to make a quick lateral movement. You do that in skiing way more, if not constantly than when you do on a run, for example. So. When I think back to my time as an athlete, one of the things that stuck out to me so much about training was how applicable the things that we were doing in the gym were to being out on snow. The plyometric training that we were doing, the strength training that we were doing, the crossover of taking strength that has been built and transferring it into plyometric ability, then complementing that with the endurance and the cardiovascular training from running. And then the hand speed, or sorry, the hand-eye coordination from mountain biking coming down a single track. All of these elements really lent themselves to strengthening the others, but the gym really stands out. And one of the biggest reasons is because you can control the environment. When you're, I guess you could argue, I'm thinking out loud, that you control the environment pretty well on a road run, but let's say that you're mountain biking. It is tough to control the intensity, if you really wanted to push your limits and max out your heart rate on a mountain bike ride, you'd have to have a very specific knowledge of the trails and the parts at which you could do that. Not to say that it can't be done, but you ha would have to plan that in advance. It would have to be a clear trail. You couldn't run into obstacles along the way when you're trying to elevate your heart rate up to the higher thresholds. You can do this safely in a gym. You can monitor it in a gym. You can replicate it in a gym. And the same goes for strength training. So what we're able to do in the off season as athletes is really condition our body from the inside and out across multiple movement patterns, across multiple modalities of training. So that by the time that you actually get on snow, you're not really thinking about these things anymore. So working out versus training are two very different things. I categorize working out as kind of pursuing something to get a sweat on. You want to feel like you did something, go to a group fitness class, you move around in the class, perform a bunch of reps at moderate weight, low weight, 
And at the end, you feel good. Endorphins have been released. You're sweating. You feel awesome. Is that class preparing you to get on snow? The argument for yes would be that if you take an individual who's deconditioned and you have them go to fitness classes repeatedly and they up their conditioning level and improve that relative to where they started, then yes, it is. But for the most part, the lack of structure in a group fitness class, the lack of structure, meaning progression in a boot camp, the lack of progression available in a controlled setting on a mountain bike ride or a hike doesn't lend itself to sports specificity. And you may be hearing this and thinking, but I'm not, a, I'm not an athlete trying out for the U.S. ski team. Why does that apply to me? Because the demands of the sport are the same on you as they are on someone else when you're on the mountain. So it's imperative that you strengthen your body to accommodate for all these different factors. And that is what drove me to create the ski system because I wanted to take my understanding of programming from a client and habit change, lifestyle change viewpoint where I've been able to help clients achieve different goals that they want to achieve. And you do that through structure. You do that through programming. You do that through progressions. You do that through increasing complexity over time once a client or a person shows proficiency in movements. And so I wanted to create a program where any skier across the country, whether you're going out for a week-long trip in Beaver Creek or you're about to ski 70 days at your home mountain, any skier could take these programs, commit to them, and then build proficiency in the movements, build strength in the movements, improve their range of motion, strengthen their range of motion, and then transfer that new, strong, improved range of motion into a dynamic setting that's going to allow them to get on snow and perform. Because at the end of the day, we all just want to have more fun. And you are going to have more fun on snow if your body is better prepared for the demands that you'll face. You will ski faster, more comfortably. You will be able to ski longer without as much fatigue. And you will be able to perform better because you'll have more control over your body because of the proprioception that you developed by training in complex positions in the gym. And the great thing is you don't even have to have a gym. You have to have on the low side, a body, and at the high side, gym access. The ski system is built to be able to accommodate all of these. If you only have dumbbells, there's programs for that. If you only have kettlebells, there's programs for that. If you have full gym access, there's programs for that. Or if all you have is your body weight, that shouldn't stop you from being able to prepare appropriately for the upcoming season. So now we get to the fun part. I want to talk about my five tips for the preseason. It's one of the most exciting times of the year. It is one of the potentially most dangerous times of the year because we all know that when the stoke is the highest, the conditions are the worst <laughs> in the beginning. You have blown snow, you have changes in snow consistency, you have quite a bit of rocks and shrubs and branches and things that are seemingly covered up by low snow cover. I guess this all, of course, depends on where you are and the amount of snow that's fallen in the season. But if we look at generally how a preseason mountain is, in Colorado, for example, where I grew up in Steamboat, they just push back their opening day. That tells me a lot about the conditions that that mountain has. If a mountain is willing to forego a week's revenue, that means that it's not safe to open because the liability is too high for opening. So it would actually be better to forego the money that you're going to earn from people being there because the risk of them getting injured while they're on snow and dealing with the liability of it is too high. 
So if that's the season we're going into, it's really important to consider the elements that you're in and to control the amount of fun that you have in the beginning so that the season can be really long and amazing because there's going to be incredible days of snow and you don't want to be laid up on the couch with a busted knee or an ankle or a back because you went too hard in those opening days and tried to get after it and got sidelined. So I'm going to walk you through my top five. I'll tell them to you first. And then that way, if you want to just turn the podcast off now, you can go ahead, (laughs) but I'm also going to break them down for you. So my top five tips for the preseason and opening week are to one, focus on body position, two, to start slow and increase the speed over the course of the day. So that's specific to the actual day that you're on snow. Number three is to buffer your season with volume and endurance, and I'll show you how to do that. Number four is to watch your surroundings. And this is ever important at busy resorts, um, places close to the city where tons of people are going to make the commute and get out there because they're really excited about it. And the fifth one, almost predictable, if you've been following along on social media, is to warm up. And I'll talk about how to do that, why it's so important give you a couple lists on the scientific side of why warming up is important for your season. So let's unpack this first one. Focus on body position. If you have been skiing for a long time and you go out in opening week, one of the things that you'll notice right away is the variance in skill set of skiers. And that's ever apparent just by body position. A skier that knows what they're doing are going to be typically more stacked over their boot, which gives you better edge control on the tips of your skis which makes initiating a turn easier, makes coming out of a turn easier, and it makes stopping and speeding up easier because you have control. A skier that's back seat, seating over their heels, leaning back, arms kind of dragging at the side, it's a telltale sign that that person isn't in complete control of the skis. So whether you're a brand new skier and this is your first time out there, or whether you're a seasoned vet and you're going to try and make the national team this year, Focus on your body position in those first couple of weeks because your season, like I said, the snow conditions are going to get better. You're going to be willing to travel further for different snow. You're going to get more days on snow. So in the beginning, if you can focus on the body position that you ski in and establish a good baseline for that, that is going to set you up the best to have the most fun the rest of the season, learning how to control your edges, maybe even doing some drills. And there's a trillion different drills that you could do in the beginning of the season. But I remember back when I was skiing moguls competitively, we spent a lot of time in those first couple of days when we were in preseason camps and copper mountain or on snow and steamboat, we would do a lot of drills partially because we didn't have any courses built. There were, there weren't any features that were built yet that we could start practicing our aerials. And so we would do a lot of just flat ground ski drills, but looking back on it, this is the most valuable time of the season. This reestablishes your skill set. This gives you a starting point. And it also highlights areas that you need to work on. So if you're skiing and you're doing the drill where you pick up your uphill ski and cross it over the top to point downhill, and you focus on boot pressure and initiating your turn, and you find like, wow, when I lift up my right uphill ski, I almost lose control. But then when I go the other way, everything's fine that kind of highlights for you that there's something that you can work on in these first couple of weeks. So that you're not thinking about that in the middle of the season, because if you have some crazy asymmetry in your turn, 
or your turn mechanics, then that's going to be really frustrating if it's not fixed by, you know, January, February, when the snow actually starts to get good. So focus on body position. My tips on body position are stay in the front of your boots, stay flexed in your boot, whether you have a flexi or non-flexi boot, keep your body position from the waist up tight and contracted so that you're actually stacked above your hips. Keep your hands in front of you. They don't have to be stuck out like a mummy, but keep them driving forward. That's one thing that mogul skiers do really well is they prep their pull basket in anticipation of the next mogul, keeps their upper body tall, keeps their chest driving over their quads and their knees. So it gives you more edge control as you come up over the top of the mogul. So whether you're cutting GS turns or short swing turns, or you're in the bumps or you're coming over a knoll, just keeping that good stacked upper body position will help you so much. Another way to ensure this is to keep your vision going out and over the tops of your skis. So if you're staring down at your bindings or you're staring at your side, you're going to start to move into that backseat position. So pick your eyes up. That'll also give you better vision down the hill so you can see other skiers coming, obstacles to watch out for, and just get used to being in that position, whether you're turning right, turning left, going straight, or stopping. If you have square hips relative to the bottom of the hill and they're pointing down the fall line, you're going to hold a better turn. You're going to have a more aggressive turn. And again, most importantly, you're going to have better edge control because you're going to be weighted into your ski. The more your tips start to lose pressure, the less control you have over your turns. So it's a little recap. Number one, focus on body position. Number two, start slow and increase speed over the course of the day. This is kind of a direct parallel with weightlifting. When you go in to do your training session, you don't walk into the squat rack, put on double your body weight, and do squats. You don't do it for a million different reasons. Uh, your body is not ready. Your circulation isn't up to speed. Your heart rate's not high enough. Your neurologically, your system isn't primed to unload and rack a heavy amount of weight. Skiing functions the same way. You see so many skiers click into their skis right after the gondola and gun it down to the bottom. That's fine. But for the majority of us, that's going to end really badly. So start slow, get a couple of runs on your belt, focus on body position in the beginning of the season. Also focus on body position in the beginning of the day. Are you over your skis? How comfortable are you going? Can you stop? What obstacles are around you? Going slow allows you to assess all this kind of stuff. Going really fast right out the gate doesn't give you the feedback you need to make good decisions throughout the day. So not only is this going to warm your mental body up to skiing, but it's going to help you move towards skiing longer days because you're more aware, you're less fatigued. You've been able to ramp up to the day of skiing, not start high and fall off. So that one is, I think, under considered to start slow. That could be as simple as pick shorter runs in the beginning, work up towards that really long run more towards the middle of the day when the snow packs really good but before it gets too icy and skied off. Number three, buffer your season with volume and endurance. If you're an athlete, you're probably already doing this. If you are going to go on one or two ski trips this year, this definitely applies to you. And if you're a mix where you're going to try and ski most weekends, some weekdays, buffering your season with volume and endurance means Buffering your season with reps, getting as many reps in as you can in the most ski specific way possible. This could be strength training volume, 
right? So using strength training exercises that mimic ski movements in a repeatable fashion prior to getting on the snow. Building up your endurance. This could be a place where running or mountain biking serves a really, really specific purpose. If you're close to the season and just two and a half weeks out and you're about to get on snow and start applying those other things we were just talking about, why not try to improve to a one or two time a week run volume, 25 to 35 minutes, get your, get your legs back under you, ability to buffer lactic acid, repeat the same action over and over again, ability to maintain a moderate to lower heart rate through multiple reps of an activity. That's what skiing is. It's when people get tired skiing, it's not because they haven't skied. It's because they're not conditioned to be skiing. And so adding these endurance elements into those weeks leading up to your trip, to your first day on snow, or complementing your time on snow. So keeping up your cardiovascular training throughout the season, keeping up your weight training throughout the season, all these things will make it so that that every time you click in, you're not two steps back from where you were before. When I skied competitively, you know, we were skiing so many days out of the year and traveling so much to get to different competitions. But there were a lot of times where in the middle of the season, I would be on my maintenance program, strength training, or going for runs with cold weather gear on. It's just a, it's a great way to stay conditioned and stay ready for the next time that you're going to be clicked in. The fourth one is to watch your surroundings. I think this goes without saying, but it's a very important thing to keep in mind at the beginning of the season. And the best example I can think of is when I was 17, my mom bought a motorcycle, which was super rad. <laughs> and it was a Honda Shadow 650 VLX. So it was like a legit motorcycle, sit down on it and go for long rides, kind of cruiser bike. And at the time she was like, if I'm going to have this, you have to get your motorcycle license. So I said, amazing. Yes. And as a 17 year old, I got my motorcycle license. And then I was able to ride my mom's bike all summer to work. And I felt like the coolest kid in the world. But what motorcycle license taught me is that nobody is paying attention to you on the road. You learn to do a lot of things on a motorcycle. Like when you come up to an intersection, you don't look at people's faces. You look at their tires because if a tire moves, a face might be looking down at a phone, but if a tire moves, that means the car is going to move. So if the tire moves, you know, to apply the brakes, when you ride a motorcycle, you ride in the middle of the road. I always used to think that was really annoying when I'd come up on motorcyclists and they're riding dead center, but there's a reason for that. It's because if you're behind a car, you're in their blind spot. If you're in the center of the road, you're always going to show up in someone's rear view mirror. You're also really close to oncoming traffic, which sounds dangerous, but it's actually better to be visible than to be hidden. So I say this because being on a motorcycle taught me to be more aware of my surroundings, even when I was in a car. There's so much going on on a mountain when you're coming down a run. There's conditions that are changing. There's ice you can't see. There's people that have never skied before that are cruising around, not knowing how to stop. And you can't assume that the other skiers on the mountain know what the hell they're doing because chances are they don't. Chances are they're not conditioned enough to make an aggressive movement to come to a stop. They might not be skilled enough to be able to get around you if you get in their way. How many times have you come down a run and you see ski patrol consoling someone who made a collision with someone else while that person was just standing by a slow sign? It happens all the time. So developing this kind of awareness becomes ever important on the ski hill. B 
being aware of knolls, being aware of blind spots, being aware of tree conditions, snow conditions, all these kind of things, especially in the beginning of the season, when the conditions are so devious, that's when it's most important. I had a really, really good friend of mine when I was in high school. We skipped school because it was a powder day, classic Colorado kids. And we were coming out of this tree section and it was December. So we had gotten enough snow to justify skipping school, but we hadn't gotten enough snow to really be the middle of the season. And we came out of this tree line to this drop off. And I came out a little bit behind my buddy and I looked down and he's just laying on the ground and I'm looking around like, did he catch an edge? There's like nothing sticking out. What happened was he came out of the trees. He ollied over this branch that was sticking out. And when his board came down, he hit a rock, slipped off the rock, and then it uncovered a rock underneath that. And he hit his spleen, ruptured his spleen, and he had to get airlifted and get his spleen removed. So that was a preseason thing, felt like a powder day. We weren't aware of our surroundings and we weren't considering the conditions. And that kind of stuff can happen all the time. It's not to scare you. It's just to be mindful of it. The more mindful you are, the more you understand your surroundings, the better time you're going to have on snow and the more fun your season is going to be a hundred percent. And this brings me to my last and most broken record tip of the year, probably. And that is to warm up. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the scientific side of warming up from a strength training viewpoint. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about an on snow version and why this is so important. And it's partially important for the same reasons. So Warming up does a couple things for us physiologically. It increases our heart rate because of the continued movement as you're prepping to do whatever exercises that you're going to do or whatever skiing you're going to do. It increases circulation in the body. So as you move your body through multiple planes of motion and your joints do multiple actions, you foam roll, maybe you release your fascial tissue a little bit, you start to improve the flow of blood throughout your body. The more blood that's flowing through your body naturally the way it should, the better you can contract, relax, flex, extend, and control your muscles. It improves your nervous system function. So it starts to alert your body that something is about to get heavier, faster, more intense, different. Uh, there's a reason that when you wake up out of bed, you're not ready to go right away. Your body has to come up to speed. Um, you have to get ready for the day. There's a thousand different ways to do that. But it's also the same reason that when you go on a run, that first mile is really tough. Neurologically, your body is not primed to run yet. Then you hit your stride or you find that runner's high. This is all just physiological changes that we've named other things to better understand. It's going to improve your reaction time. So as your body gets hotter and it's able to perform actions better and more efficiently, your ability to produce an action when you want to, such as a ski turn, such as a squat, you can do it. If your body's not ready, imagine getting up out of bed in the morning and somebody lunging at you. Your reaction time is probably not the hottest it's going to be all day, right? But you come back from a run, you're feeling nice and hot, you're sweaty, endorphins are up, blood circulating through your body, someone lunges at you, you're halfway across the room in an instant. Your reaction time is going to improve as you warm up. All of these things come together to help reduce the risk of injury. If you look, at Olympic weightlifters, if you look at Olympic sprinters, if you look at Olympic gymnasts, if you look at any sport and you look to the top of performance, you look at the peak athletes, they all spend time warming up for extensive periods of time. 
it is a non-negotiable. And the more sophisticated the training facility gets, the more non-negotiable warming up gets. It's not an option for athletes to come in and skip their warmups, period, because the risk is so high that you're going to jack yourself up. So for the rest of us, we should value that. It doesn't mean that you have to turn your training session into a 45-minute workout, but you can take yourself from non-ready, heart rate low, not prepped for exercise, to ready for exercise with a relatively higher heart rate and slightly reduce your risk of injury. So there's a bunch of different ways to do this in the gym. Every single program on the ski system has warmups built into them that are specific to the movements of that day, which is a really important part. You shouldn't be doing jumping jacks for every single workout you do. You need to mobilize specific joints to be loaded, depending on what the workout is. You need to bring certain parts up to speed and certain movement mechanics up to speed so that you can load them effectively in the training session and not risk injury. When we get on snow, the same thing holds true. And what makes being on snow challenging is that for most of us, you get to the ski lot, right? You get out, you drink your coffee, put on your boots. Now your boots are on, you wait for the shuttle, or maybe you walk to the first lift on the shuttle. You sit down, you wait, you get to either like a gondola or your first chair. And that's, and that's a warm up. Like you walk out of the gondola, you put your skis on, you ski. Uh, it makes no sense that that would be appropriate to get moving. But if you go to any mountain and you watch the ski teams train, the athletes, they get off the gondola and what do they do? They circle up and they run through like a 10 minute warm up before they click in and go. We used to do this every single day that we got on snow. I'd go to school at 6 a.m. I'd get out at 11. We'd go to ski training. The very first thing we did when we got off the gondola was warm up. As an athlete who cared about performance, wanting to do better, the first thing I did every day when I got home was foam roll and stretch. As an adult at 32 years old with no competitive aspirations outside of martial arts, I spend 15 minutes stretching every single night before I go to bed. And I spend 15 to 20 minutes every single day before I train. It's because I care about my body. I care about my body staying healthy because I want to have fun doing all the things that I love. When you get on snow, you can do this very simply. There's a couple of things that your body needs to do. You need to mobilize your hips. You need to mobilize your ankles, which are fixed in your boots. So that sounds stupid, but I'll tell you how. You need to mobilize your thoracic spine because your thoracic spine, your mid-back, its mobility has a lot to do with the initiation of a turn relative to your hips. It doesn't mean you need to start swinging your body around to make your ski turns, but if your legs change, if they lead change, so your uphill ski pulls back to initiate the turn and your hips stay stable, your upper body is going to need to lead the initiation on the arc of the turn into the next turn. So mobilizing your thoracic spine, creating more mobility in that rotation is going to improve your body's ability to turn on snow. So there's a couple of things you can do. You can do quick, very short uphill, like ski boot jogs. So we used to choose like a 40 foot spot on a hill, slight incline, and just do a quick run up the top, maybe five laps. You'll feel it immediately. Your body starts to heat up ski boot leg swings. So using the weight of your boot to stretch your hamstring dynamically, not statically, because you want to dynamically stretch your muscles before you start to move. So this is where you plant two poles in front of you and you start swinging one leg at a time, progressively faster, progressively higher without 
arching in your low back. That is the most important thing. Keep your back stable by flexing your core muscles and swing that leg continuously until you start to feel heat and length created in your hamstring. You can then do this laterally where you swing your leg across your body. Then I would recommend doing hip circles. So this would be poles planted in front of you, raise your knee up vertically, rotate out to the side and return to the start position. You can do this in either direction. Again, you want to increase speed as you go. The reason that you increase speed through all of these is because you don't want to start out too fast and tweak something, but you want your joints to move faster in the warm-up than they're going to move in the sport. So you give yourself a buffer in movement capability. The next thing you want to do is T-spine rotations. You can, you've probably seen a golfer do this before. You put your ski pole behind your back, put your arms over it like a scarecrow, fix your hip position, your foot position, and rotate your shoulders back to either direction, opening up side to side. Again, start slow, start small, increase the range of motion, increase the speed, and let your vision follow where you go instead of looking where you go. Basically, you just keep a neutral neck and head position relative to your body. The next thing that you can do is lunges in place. This actually brings your hip into flexion and extension, your knee into flexion extension, and it puts a little bit of pressure into your ankle joint when you step back into the lunge. If you do all these things and then get in your boots and then ski slow and let yourself ramp up, I swear you will have more fun skiing. You will ski better instantaneously you will ski better just from the fact that you've warmed up your body. You'll feel like a more capable skier who can ski more efficiently and have more fun and watch how many people skip this. Follow someone that happens to be beside you at the resort, right? You guys are walking to the lift together. They're not part of your party or your friends or whatever. Just watch them. I would put 50 bucks on them, not warming up when you get to the top before they start going because for some reason, skiers are under the impression that you're going to warm up in the first run, which although the first run will do aspects of this, it will elevate your heart. It's going to elevate your heart rate with a static body position. You're not asking your joints to go into any of the ranges of motion that they might end up in during the day. And that's where injury happens. It happens when joints end up in ranges that haven't been trained, stabilized, or strengthened. So you're a new skier, you're having a great time, you're coming down the hill, you try to avoid someone, you lose a little bit of control, end up backseat, hit a cat track, come off the top. And when you land, gravity acts against you and you get pulled into a depth of a squat that you've never trained before and you get a hamstring issue or you get an ACL issue or an LCL issue. So do yourself a solid, prep your body, prepare your body to be on snow. Five to 10 minutes, it doesn't take very much. Do it in the weight room too. Just get in the habit. You will thank yourself that this is part of your routine. That was about 40 minutes and I thought this might be 20. So I know I have overspoken and there's plenty more that I'd love to talk to you guys about and gals about and everybody about. So uh, if you like this episode, if you enjoyed the structure and if you want more tidbits like this that'll complement the blog site, which will be somewhat similar, just in a different format. Please go to Apple, leave a comment, leave a review, send me some insights, anything. I want to build this for you all so much. 
and your feedback is invaluable. I take everything with a grain of salt. I do not take things too seriously. So you can give me any feedback that you want and I will take that into heavy consideration. My feelings will not be hurt if this was your least favorite podcast you've ever listened to. If that is true, uh, please reach out and tell me that and don't write it in the review because that'll not help the podcast grow. So thank you so much for listening to everyone who's at this point. I'm motivated to keep producing this stuff for you, to keep providing the content on social media to help you guys prepare for the season. I'm very dedicated to growing the website, getskisystem.com into a juggernaut of a training platform for everyone in the winter sports industry. And I'm excited to keep doing this. So thank you so much. 